The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on tw- uh, Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? That's a new sound drop, care of Master Ace, Master Ace, Marco Polo featuring Smith and Wesson. And thanks to Roddy Cat for that referral. No problem. Uh, you can find uh, this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us in your podcast place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30ish p.m. EST. At um, ish est that is on uh, twitch.tv slash combo chronicles and youtube.com slash the click nation. That's T H E A K L I Q N E T I O N. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and give us the five star reviews. Yeah, folks, we're going to start off with uh, since it is Thursday night and She Hulk dropped this very day, we're going to get into a spoiler light. Uh, recap of She-Hulk episode three, um, the people versus Emil Blotsky. Yes. As Roddy Cap mentioned, this episode premiered earlier today, uh, the day of this recording on Thursday, September 1st. So we're going to tread very lightly, very, very lightly in spoiler territory. So I'm going to ring the spoiler bell in three, two, one spoilers, at least mild and light ones are incoming. spoiler if you if you um were paying some sort of attention but then again it's not something we didn't know that was coming but we'll may or may not get to that after a while so yeah it is called the people versus uh mil blonsky um jennifer uh <laughs> so jennifer finds out that uh um that the footage from basically shang chi uh of um of uh um, of the abomination and wong fighting in the Kumite, uh, gets out to the public, uh, and makes the news circles. And of course, in, in, in relation to that, so does Jen. 
And she's I like happy. I like that little reference to the Kumite. I was like, oh, we're Bloodsport. Cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And the, and the lady was like, what? I mean, it was like, mm-mm. <laughs> like, I don't know what she thought it was. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, so... So, yeah. Um, this is weird. Okay, well, yeah, so Jen, I mean, so Jen, Jen's driving along. She finds out that uh, Wong was the one that broke out, broke out um, uh, Emil Blonsky. She has uh, Ginger, excuse me, uh, uh, Nikki, not Ginger, Ginger's a real name, gets uh, Nikki to try to find Wong, and then she breaks into the uh, fourth wall breaking while she's driving, which is very unsafe, but then again, hey, she's got that power. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was going to jump in just in case you were still skimming to make it spoiler light. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much that. Um, but she does during this this whole sport living. He's talking about that. Eh, this is not going to be one of those shows where there's going to be a cameo every week, which has turned out not to be true so far, and probably right. not going to uh, be true going forward. Forward, judging by who shows up uh, later on uh, in the show, which we won't spoil. Um, but I, I gave a hint uh, just a, just a minute ago. Let's just say. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's also one that's been rumored for for, uh, for the last month. Nevertheless, um, the the crux of the 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 the, um, uh, the show, without getting too knee deep in it, was basically Jen trying to find basically uh, Jen's defense. Well, her former defense has been um, upended, so she kind of had to. Uh, uh, with the new strategy, and that strategy involves Wong, which you know people knew he was going to be in the show anyway, so that's not so much of a spoiler. Um, there was some shenanigans with him getting there to, for his um, his uh, his recount, mm-hmm. and also some real funny some something real funny on the way out from him. Um, on that. Um, and some of this has actually shown up in the commercials because there was a whole uh, uh, Blonsky turned into an abomination that happened in this whole thing. Um, like I said, we get uh, we get a B plot uh, having to do with uh, one of uh, Jen's old co-workers who had a case up against him, which I feel like that's another thing, uh, a similar thing that would happen uh, in the comic books. Not necessarily old... Um, old co-workers, but um, things like that would happen in, the, in the, where there would be like a couple of different things, uh, a couple of different cases, uh, seemingly different cases kind of would happen. But then again, that's a lawyer show stuff, uh, so that's not necessarily right. the, the comic book stuff. But they did kind of intersect somewhere in the middle of this uh, 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 show. Uh, there was a... Right. So just very quickly, the, you know, the, that B plot line, which uh, eventually intersects with the A plot line with the uh, with Jen and with the abomination. Ultimately, uh, that B plot line involves this this uh, character, Dennis, uh, uh, a current assistant district attorney. I think that's their t- I think that's what their titles were. And uh, he is dealing with. Some straight up fraud and catfishing, which was very interestingly portrayed, let's say. And I really enjoyed some of the dialogue that was written for Jen Walters and expertly delivered, I thought, by uh, Tatiana Maslani because of how 
incredulous she sounded based on the on the person that Dennis thought he was dating. Right. Right? I thought that was incredibly well written and incredibly acted out by Tatiana Maslany. I, I gave her a lot of credit on that. She's that was good. very well done. Yeah, she, 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 she's pretty good, I, I will definitely say. At, at this and her former uh, show that she, she's got note for, so I would say she's pulled some good turns uh, in this so far, similarly. Um, I don't know. Like I said, because it came out that they don't want to get too far into it. Um, Right, exactly. That we're skirting. We're, listen, we're 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 covering things in very broad strokes. At the end of the day, you know, you're still going to have to watch this episode and really take in the <coughs> excuse me, take in the fact that it is light, but we can see that there are signs. There are clear signs that this show is likely going to set up a lot of what happens in the next stages of the MCU. Uh, you know, because we do get uh, 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 an appearance from Wong, as Roddy Cat mentioned, and he has been so far integral in all of the recent MCU films, except for maybe Eternals, right. where and where Wong has made an appearance in an attempt to tie things together. And, you know, it's not necessarily in the main plot. Sometimes it's in the post credits as in Chang-Chi. But at the end of the day, Wong is going to prove to be uh, a, a main character in the in the next part of the story. You know, he's definitely forming something up. Right. And we also, you know, and, and, and again, you know, what 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 Jen Walters is doing is. Not necessarily creating a defense, but making a case for Emil Blonsky's um, parole. And one of the things that's part of making a case for his parole is that he's proven to be, uh, 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 you know, one of the one of the strongest cases that any parolee, potential parolee, can make is that they have been a model inmate. And a lot of the things that come up that come to light are very surprising. One of them is an interesting revelation as to who those pen pals are. It's not who we thought they were. It yeah. was not who we thought they were. Fan theory was thrown out with, with the revelation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I thought that was incredibly funny <laughs> when the pen pals were revealed. Not to be who both myself, Roddy Cat, and Roddy Cat, and probably half or three quarters of the internet thought it was. Now, Now, to be fair, I didn't. I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't want to believe that that was the case, but I felt like, eh, I don't know, I had doubts on the fact that it was going to be what... Roddy Cat is, no, is, is Monday I'm morning not, quarterbacking I himself not, now. Very much not. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at what everybody said, and then I had my doubts with that. Because I was like, uh, I don't know. They, they you can't handle the truth! Anyway, so... <laughs> But anyway, you know, just moving on with the rest of the show. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, both both cases are resolved during the course of this roughly half hour show. And, you know, we get uh, uh, some resolution to both cases. There is a less than surprising cameo if you've been listening to our news section in this episode. So we have spoken about this potential cameo, 
uh, I believe uh, at least once during the news section. So it's it shouldn't be too much of a surprise. And it actually is a cameo that stretches into another post credit scene. So now it seems like every episode of this show is going to feature a post credit stinger, you know, of varying degrees of comedy and or dramatic effect or, you know, potential to move the story along. So ultimately, uh, we have to remind everyone to stay watching especially if they're watching She-Hulk to catch that last stinger. So, you know, we're, we're, we've done our best to not spoil anything. I'm, I'm going to hand it off to Roddy Cat and see if there's anything else he wants to add. Well, I would say, well, I guess it's a little bit late for this because if you've been on the internet any time today, you probably got some glimpses of, of the spoiler. Uh, if you were trying Oh, you to mean of the guest star? Yeah. Yeah. Because I even well, we 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 talked about it. Oh, I know. You know, we already talked about it. But it was also still at that time when we talked about it it was still rumored. So correct. It did that didn't get confirmed until like right before the show dropped. Right. Pretty much the day before the show dropped. So, um, but either that, you know, like I said, I don't think it it would be a still a welcome surprise, or it'll be still welcome. I suspect to the a large swath of the audience. whether you've been spoiled on it or not, let's just say that because that post credit scene, I never thought something like that would, would happen in my lifetime. <laughs> I didn't think they were going to CGI that particular yes. motion. That particular motion. Oh. I kind of giggled when I saw it. I was like, really? I cracked Okay. Up. I, I cracked you know, up. Huh, that's interesting. But so, yeah, I, I cracked up when that happened outside of that though. Um, there's really not much else to, to to say about the show. It was fun. Right. Um, we're not trying Jen, to we're not trying to spoil everything though, folks. Right. Jen you know, still, because it's so new. Right. It, it literally still, dropped earlier today. And what's funny is that uh I, you know what finish up, I just wanted to mention uh what comes out tonight, which I didn't realize was actually going to be a timed release. Oh, you talking about the Lord of the Rings thing? Yeah. Oh, so just finish up and then I'll talk about that real quick. So yeah, the only thing I would say is like Jen's still wrestling with her, um, you know, her, with her private versus public persona, which that is a, one of the themes of this show, uh, and it looks like she may or may not be at a turning point at near the end of this. And the only other thing to say in closing, which this is again news that we heard about the happening, um, a well, if you're into the comics, a familiar. Uh, set of Thor villains pops in at the end of this uh, show to, well, I would say give uh, She-Hulk some grief, but she really didn't, you know, it's just, she, she really didn't need that much help, but it also um, brings up a, um, a question of two as to why they were there and who they were working for, judging by what was being said. And right, and how they looked. Because yeah. they were they were nowhere near as fearsome or as intimidating as their Marvel. I don't want to call you know like I hate the fact that Feige's calling the MCU the six one six. I agree with um with the uh, oh my gosh what is that actress's oh, name who Iman plays Miss Marvel? Amon Vellani. Yes, Amon Vellani. I agree with Amon Vellani. The six one six is the comic book main universe, yeah, true. right? So the comic book main universe. Uh, 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 characters, you know, the, the versions of these characters that we saw that were revealed in this episode are a lot more fearsome. These are a bunch of schlubs. 
schlubs. I don't know. They've Seriously. been played for jokes for, for a good swath of the time. Right, you know, they actually looked like schlubs. Well, this is, this is also true. <laughs> right, that's my point. They look like schlubs, whereas the, the, the characters, their, their equivalent characters in the regular Marvel Universe are not schlubby looking at all. They are intimidating to even, you know, regular looking superheroes. Standing next to Spider-Man, for example, they would be very intimidating looking. So, you know, it was I was disappointed that. that okay. What's that? I said I am going to slightly disagree with you on that one, but I see where you're going. No, but at the end of the day, I mean, I, you know, they're 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 definitely not the most fearsome opponents, right? They definitely get used as fodder, as you know, in in wrestling terms. Uh, I had it on the tip of my tongue. I, I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Um, uh, jobbers, hmm. right? <laughs> they are definitely jobbers, right? They're meant to make the heroes look good. But in this case, their portrayal, like unless they're in for an upgrade, which they might be, they very well might be. Um, I was, when I saw that and I saw what they were, the, 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 the items that they were wielding and the references that She-Hulk was making. I'm like, could that be? And then when they, you know, and then there was some further dialogue that basically solidified, solidified who they were. I was like, oh, that is so disappointing. Why are they a bunch of jobbers? You know, they look like a bunch of, sh- they look like a bunch of schmoes. Right. Well, so we'll see what happens when they come back. Cause it, it, it appears they will be back. Um, right. It, so we'll feels like it. We'll see. We'll see. So yeah, so that's pretty much uh, She-Hulk episode three. Like I said, fun. It was. It was, uh, it was a good time, and um, yeah, it, it, um, I'm looking forward to next week. And I suspect yeah. that cameo is probably also going to come back at some point. I just I have a weird feeling. I don't know if that's true or not, but some uh, during the course of this, uh, but but cameo is probably going to come back again. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like I said, it's my hope that these characters are portrayed a little closer to their comic book reality. They're still jobbers, but they should look a little bit more intimidating. I also wanted to mention, Roddy Cat can disagree, that's fine, but I, 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 I think back on my introduction to these characters, know. you know, they were the jobbers in Secret Wars, like the original Marvel superhero Secret Wars. They were like the, 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 the actual cannon fodder for Doom, you know, for the villain army, mm-hmm. right? So they were still intimidating. They were still fearsome, you know. So, but in any event, um, I wanted to mention that uh, the Amazon Prime Lord of the Rings Rings of Power series actually dropped its first their first two episodes tonight, Thursday, September first, but specifically at nine p.m. Eastern time. I had no idea it was going to be a timed release. So it's very interesting. That uh, in the weeks to follow, I, which I did not know, episodes will roll out once per week on Friday. So we're always going to be just a touch behind when when we're um, uh, broadcasting the Comic Book Chronicle. So we'll just make sure to cover – I don't know if Roddy Cat will be watching it, but I'll be watching it to, to cover these first two episodes in very broad strokes on next week's episode. Right. Well, unless we have weeks like we did the last couple of weeks, and, and we end up recording on a Saturday or something, so <laughs> right because life gets in the way. I get exactly. it. Yep. So who's who's to say? But yeah, I don't know. I I I'm I am curious about it. Um. So we'll see. Um, Alrighty. So, so yeah, let us move on to the books. 
Yep, 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 yep. So, uh, President Bartlett. Much next. And. Uh, first book we're going to cover will be, uh, I believe we said X-Men number 14. All righty. So X-Men number 14 is written by Jerry Duggan with art by CF Via, colors by Matt Mil- uh, Matt Miller. And letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So, uh, again, broad stroke stuff, and I'll let Roddy Cat fill in some of the details because I don't have a review copy in front of me. Uh, broad strokes is that we we catch up with the new version of the X Men Hero Team on Krakoa as they deal with uh, the ongoing battle against the Eternals. Um, the large Eternals and the large machine Eternals that are being unleashed, that have been unleashed against uh, Krakoa. So this is, I believe, occurring in the aftermath of Judgment Day, A- AXE Judgment Day number three or number two. Are we up to three? You're muted, Roddy Cat. Uh, I believe we are up to three. Okay, but I think we read three. I, I can't remember. Yeah. All right, so let's say it was two. I mean, at the end of the day, we're in that we're in that period once the celestial that once made up Avengers Mountain has been uh, reinvigorated, let's say, and uh, judgment has been passed on on several characters unfairly, in my judgment. <laughs> uh, you know, like I, I uh, uh, which one call it? Kieran Gillen and I going to have words about that at some point. So. But I will let Rodicat take it from here. Um. So yeah, weirdly enough, this is this is less of a uh, Axe Judgment Day tie-in than it is. Um, although they do definitely uh, bring that up halfway through this. Um, uh, but basically, the 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 main story is kind of brings us back down to uh, back around to Game World. So there's still uh, shenanigans going on there, which I thought they took care of Cordyceps Jones, but I don't know if that. But did, just because we thought that would, that may or may not be the case, doesn't mean there are people either still out the loop and or still, you know, uh, still running around uh, with their bets in their pockets, basically. Right. Right. So the the crux of this issue uh, is dealing with one such uh, plot and scheme by some... I'm curious of what you thought about this part, because there were some uh, folks running around with some very familiar helmets that I didn't think you, you could even find anymore. Because I thought all, all of the folks who wore those helmets were pretty much dealt with, with the exception of the, of the one or two. Well, what Roddy Cat is referring to are helmets that look very much like the helmet that Sam Alexander wears. Right. And... I don't remember the resolution of that story. I was not keeping up that closely with uh, the Sam Alexander Nova's book. That you know, I think Roddy Cat was, but that was such a long time ago that I, you know, I couldn't remember actually, like what happened believe, to that group of Novas. Right, and actually, I believe part of that was like near uh, in near the the end of the uh, Champions Run, if I'm not mistaken, because Sam did end mm. up getting basically his powers back. Uh, um, and yeah, there was some dealing with that but i don't remember the full extent of that either um, right 
But we know the yeah the the basically the yeah the Nova Corps are pretty much all down to to Richard Ryder and s- supposedly Sam still at this point. Right. So and now that now that you say what you just said, yeah, those could have been fact enemy helmets helmets that just happened to look like Sam's, and they didn't necessarily have powers. Right, like or they could just be leftover. Right, they could just be leftovers, and they didn't have the capabilities. You know, we just don't know. Right. But ultimately, I noticed that as well. And you know, they were dealt with, you know, summarily. It's not like they right. proved to be difficult. Right. You know, one another one of so, opposition. Right. So basically, it was it was a uh, Cyclops and Magic up against this this group, which handled them easily. Of course, they're two war captains. What else was going to happen? You know, but they but the the plat they laid out was still kind of in effect to leave to the um, the Earthbound Krakoans to deal with, uh, and that includes one Iceman, Firestar, and Jean Grey, and some other folks uh, to deal with that plot, which has something to do with the sun. So we wouldn't necessarily go through that. So that uh, um, cover that you're seeing, <clears throat> if you're watching the video version. Not necessarily a representative of uh, anything that happens in the course of the story. So, but the X-Men take care of that. Meanwhile, Cyclops has a nice little chat with the Celestial. And uh, <laughs> let's just say his uh, judgment goes favorably for him in that. Which uh, <laughs> Agent 70 has, uh, going back to Agent 70's issue <laughs> with... Um, <laughs> Yeah, a whole lot of nope for me. <laughs> seriously, I, I was I was like, seriously, that's how we're gonna get judged in this. Like, that's how you're gonna influence the judge. You know, I you know, I it, it's it's you know, forget unfair. It's just wrong. But you know, what are you gonna do? Actually, and it wasn't even well. In in this case, it wasn't uh, Kieran Gillen. It was Jerry Duggan who wrote this particular issue. But you know, um, Kieran Gillen wrote. The, the the issue that um, <laughs> that Agent Seventy has with another rule. Yeah, seriously, it was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. <laughs> and this and and I guess it is worth thing that this does take place after uh, um, Judgment Day number three. So uh, whatever is still going on is still kind of going on regardless. And I don't even know how much. Well, the the the. Um, the, the uh, reading order in the back tells us how much we have left, but it's, it's a lot to go through. So we're pretty much getting into a bunch of tie-ins at this point, uh, including another book that we'll probably uh, breeze through uh, during rapid fire. So, or we'll yep. end up going into which is unnecessary. But enough about that. So that was pretty much X Men fourteen. Unless you got something else to to talk about with that. No, we can move on. We can move on. We don't have a lot of books this week, folks. It's a it's a fifth week, uh, publishing week. It's Labor Day week. So at the end of the day, uh, we're probably going to get through this part very quickly, much quicker than we normally do. So I think we can move on. Much next. To Amazing Fantasy number one thousand. So it's kind of a weird anniversary issue. Yeah, and I guess I'm going to go through this entire credits line and spare Roddy Cat some of this trouble. So here we go. So the first story is written by Anthony Flacone and Michael Cho, with art by Michael Cho and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. The second story in this uh, anniversary issue is written by Dan Slott, 
with pencils and inks by Jim Chung, colors by J. David Ramos, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. The third story is written by Armando Iannucci, pencils by Ryan Stegman, inks by J.P. Mayer, and colors by Sonia Obach. Uh, letters for that story are also by VCs Joe Sabino. The fourth story is written by Rainbow Roll, with pencils and inks by Olivier Coipel, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. The fifth story is written by Ho-Che Anderson, with pencils by Giuseppe Camoncoli, inks by Klaus Jansen, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. The sixth story in this, you know, kind of anniversary anthology uh, issue is written by Kurt Busiek, with pencils and colors by Terry Dotson, inks by Rachel Dotson, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. The seventh story is written by Jonathan Hickman, with pencils and inks by Marco Cacchetto. Colors are by Frank Martin and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. The eighth and final story is written by Neil Gaiman, with pencils and inks by Steve McNiven, colors by Steve McNiven and Richard Eisenhove, and letters by Todd Klein. Now, I'm going to tell you that this is, to me, a clear candidate for Click of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys and girls of the audience of the Comic Book Chronicles, all persons out there, you know, since I know there are some people who don't fall under any of those categories. So all persons out there. I think I've said this on the show before that Spider-Man and Spider-Man is essentially my one A favorite character. Captain America is my one B, you know, and I have different reasons for liking them both equally, but there are several stories in this issue that really show why Spider-Man is a lot of people's number one character. There are a lot of stories in here that really strike at the heart of why Spider-Man resonates with anybody and everybody that thinks that they can be the one underneath the mask. You know, um, obviously that is uh, more, more. I think that's more solidly, solidly portrayed when we're talking about Miles, but at the end of the day, Miles is a derivative of Peter. And what we're talking about here is how... You know, Peter Parker's plight as a character, you know, as portrayed in all of these kind of shorter stories is, you know, just really reflects how strong the character is and how well the character, how far the character has come from his earliest days and still has a long, a lot of stories left in him to tell, despite what Zeb Wells is doing in the regular Spider-Man comic book right now. So, you know... I'm not going into any of the details until maybe Roddy Cat brings up some of these stories, but I'll tell you that the slot story for me was really good. Um, the slot and Jim Trunk story was really good. I liked the Hickman story. I, I did, in fact, appreciate the Busiek story, which is like a flashback to one of the uh, stories that was in Amazing Fantasy 15. And... Uh, the Neil Gaiman story also I thought was pretty good. I don't think Roddy Cat got to that. That was, I believe, at the end of the book. Nope. Um, so, yeah, I didn't get a chance to finish the whole book. I think I got to, like, I was pretty much at half of it. Um, so, um, 
But the one, the the first few that I did read, uh, I did enjoy slots one, and I think I got to BCX, um, one which was cool. The um, excuse me, actually, hold on, I can. There we go. And also, uh, if if you didn't hear, I said the the writer of that first one was uh, Anthony Falcone. Falcone. Oh, Falcone! Uh, yeah, Roddy Cat's a, typo got yeah, to me. Was a typo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 yeah. Why were talking i was uh changing that um anthony falcone sorry sorry dude yeah anthony no, falcone we got it right it's all good it's all good um so yeah uh th- 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 for the most that i can say so, so actually i had a question for you because i don't remember if this was the case or not has hickman written um spidey before now that is an excellent question. I do not think so, unless you count uh, Otto Octavia Spidey during the Avengers run. Mm, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I meant yeah. Outside of that, but yeah. Right. Outside of that, you know, like if we're talking strictly Peter Parker, then no. Right. But he has written some Spider-Man before. Because that's yeah. Because I was I was curious about that one, and I was going to try to try to burn my way to get to that one because I was like, I don't think I've ever. Um, seen Hickman writing Spidey outside of that stuff, so it was it was a curious a curiosity. Nevertheless, though, um, the only thing I would say is like, yeah, what I read was, was pretty good so far. I'm looking forward to reading the the rest of it. Um, um, and yeah, a lot of the art choices were, were pretty good. Um, there was, I think, I'm not gonna say one of them was kind of rough. One of them was kind of hard for me to get to because it was, seemed kind of busy, but it, it was also could have been. Was that the was that the one where um, uh, it was the, the, with the blonde lady in like the mental institution? Yes. Yeah, that one was a little tough, but then I understood where the story was going. It took a little while to get uh, to 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 kind of gain traction and for me to comprehend what was going on. That was a little tough. That was the uh, the Hoche Anderson story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> right. So that was Hoche Anderson with Giuseppe Colancoli, and you could tell that it was Klaus Jansen on inks because it was a little on the rougher side. Mm-hmm. But you know, like Klaus Jansen has a very distinctive inking style. It's very, you know, it kind of it, it emphasizes the blockiness of some characters, and the his line structure is very sharp. But ultimately, I I understood and appreciated that so you can you needed to get through some of the tough early parts to really get to that ending and the ending i thought was really good so you know i hope that uh that you um and all of our listeners and and and, and viewers ha- give that story a chance and read it all the way through oh yeah plan to definitely yeah like i said I, I plan on going through all of these uh or at least the rest of uh what i read the um I was going to say something about the slot story because that one was uh, quite interesting for a, a couple of different ways because it, it was basically him in his 60s <laughs> or, or so, somewhere around the roundabout. Uh, and at first I was thinking, I was like, wait, who is this great? Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> yep, 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 like, yep, yep, yep. Well, that's not Aunt May, but she was looking good. I was like, okay, Aunt May's still looking at it in Peter's 60s? I'm like, wait, what's going on here? But then I was like, oh, wait, no, never mind. I, I quickly mm-hmm. caught who that was, uh, but yeah, some some good stuff. You should definitely check out uh, if you are a fan of uh, the Spider-Man that is Peter Parker. 
Uh, and with that, do you do you have another one, or do you think you, uh, we got uh, some? No, nah, I mean I only have two books left. Uh, I'm okay with rapid firing these, unless you want to talk in depth about Iron Fist. Other Spin than that, I can I can rapid fire. Spin it up. Spinning it up. I ain't got time to bleed. All right, so first up is Iron Fist number five of five. So this is the last issue of this miniseries. It's written by Alyssa Wong with with art by Michael uh, YG. Colors are by J. De- David Ramos, or is, it, or is that Dadiv? I think it's just David, J. David. Oh, okay, so this is just a typo. Hmm. J. David Ramos. And letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So ultimately, this issue... Does not exactly, does not exactly end on a great note for Lin Lee or Lin Lai. We're still not 100% sure how he how he's supposed to pronounce, how we're supposed to pronounce that. The former Swordmaster, although, uh, and, and, and possibly current Iron Fist. But now there's some question as to whether or not these two identities are sort of being melded together. And that seems to be the direction of the character. As I said earlier, this the storyline involving uh, Lin Lai or Lin Lee or Lin Lai and his brother is set to continue somewhere else. There is no finality in this issue. It is definitely a to be continued. So we have uh, the former Iron Fist, Danny Rand, offering to mentor Lin Lee and. Um, we have Lin Lee's brother, whose name escapes me, uh, basically running rough. Well, he's essentially running things where he shouldn't be, you know, and ba- he basically takes advantage of something that he sort of planned on and expected uh, as the result of, let's say, Lin Lee's newfound powers. And ultimately, that's where this story ends. We do, in fact, get a guest appearance by the character who's teased on the cover. So while that may not actually happen, well, what's on the cover may not actually happen, that character who was teased does, in fact, make an appearance in the book. And it's, it's, it's likely that the story of this current Iron Fist is going to continue either in another miniseries, definitely in another one-shot that's teased at the end of this book. So we will see how this story uh, continues. Right. Uh, as, anything to add, Roddy? So as I, yeah, as I, and I said before the show, or actually, as I as I also said uh, prior to this, yeah, the the well, one. Uh, both Agent Seventy and I don't really care for this new Iron Fist. I think it's it's it's. This pretty much stands a reason because there's a way better one that was in the wings and we haven't seen her in a minute. Yep. Um, uh, so the fact that they have taken this Iron Fist, which, I mean, I will go ahead and say it's an interesting direction for the Iron Fist because they melded uh, the Iron Fist with another, uh, with uh, the character's original, um, I don't want to say power set because that's not necessarily right, but basically his, an implement that, it, that, that they used. Um... So what they're going to do with that going forward, we shall see. I still don't think that the one shot that the, uh, is necessary, that, is, that he's going to show up next in is necessary because it's 
pretty much tying into uh, an event that we talked about previously, or that is ongoing pre- uh, right now, I should say. But hey, who's to say? You gotta, you gotta put them in where you put them in, right? And yeah, I don't know if uh, if what Agent Seventy said about this continuing in another miniseries is going to be the case or not. But I guess we'll see, and that's pretty much all I have to say. All right. All right, and next up for me, and last for me, is X-Force number 31. I don't have all of the credits on this. I know that this issue is written by Benjamin Percy, for sure, because he has been the longtime writer on X-Force 31. I do not have the other credits for this issue, but I will say that if you are looking to stay up to date on AXE Judgment Day and looking to read any and all crossovers, this is another issue that you do not have to read. For whatever reason... They're using a, a pretty valid premise to involve Craven the Hunter into Krakoan, you know, into a Krakoan-based story, into a mutant-based story, and I understand that. But at the end of the day, I don't really care for Craven's involvement in this. I know they're bringing in, you know, they use it to involve Deadpool and Omega Red, and I appreciate some of that. Honestly, if I had a, a a pull list and I had a physical pull list, I would have regretted buying this issue because that's how that's how disappointed I am in where this is going. This would be, and I've, I'm, you know, obviously having decline, having stopped my physical pull list, I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting to a life where the completest in me is still kind of struggling underneath the surface. You know, I'm still probably going to continue to try to complete my run on uh, the original run on Uncanny X-Men. But this would be a case where I decided to not buy, um, a, you know, not continue my run and just have a hole in my run on X-Force because I just wasn't happy with these few issues, the, these tie-in issues. Do you have any, Did you read this at all? No, I asked him like the first couple of pages before it went to the credits and then I was like, ah, I'll come back to this. Okay. All right. So that's it for that's it for me for my books this week. Take it away, Rodicat. So I can give the uh, the credits for you. Um, so the writer is Benjamin Percy. The artist is Robert Gill. Color artist Guru EFX. Letterer Joe uh, VCs Joe Caramagna. Our favorite lettering Python. Yes. All right, folks. Uh, Wonder Girl Annual number tw- uh, 2022 number one starts off for me. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. There we go. Um, written by Joel Jones and Douglas Marquis. Um, art by Emil, uh, excuse me, Emmy Lopez and Swinny Boo uh, and Ben Dewey. Pencils and inks by Adriana Mello. Colors. Uh, Colors by Jody Belair and letters by Pat Brousseau. So uh, there's a, a couple of different uh, um, little mini tales that's what was called all kind of wrapped up in a row. One of the first very first one was uh, interesting to me because it is surrounding uh, uh, Yara's uh, steed slash uh, partner, I guess you could say. Jerry, the, the Pegasus, uh, and then it goes into a story, it basically pretty much goes into the rest of the story where uh, Yara and the rest of the Esquisitas 
are fighting this um are, are fighting this person who I guess they had uh miss about and I guess it's if, if, if it's been so long but this person has uh, shown up in in a previous issue of uh Wonder Girl um the third issue specifically but um I vaguely remember because it was so so long ago since for that issue but uh, basically, it seemed like it was a rematch with this uh, person, with uh, Yara and the uh, ex- um, Um that uh, obviously ends up going favorably at the end. And of course, um, protect uh, JC, which is the littlest Excusita. She's very cute. Uh, G.I. Joe 297. I only mention this because it is the last issue uh, under the uh, uh, IDW banner. Um, interestingly enough, I have not been keeping up with um, uh, G.I. Joe since it's, uh, since it's been back. Uh, since it's taken up from the Marvel stuff uh, where this, this whole thing uh, takes off. And there's been a whole lot of significant changes in the, the roster or whatnot. Um, the Snake Eyes has died and has been replaced with a couple of them which you know uh, there's been some new people I think on both sides to, to join the fray in this, in this issue uh, which was written by Larry Hama uh, art by Andrew Lee Griffith where are all these typos coming from and Netho Diaz uh, inks by Andrew Lee Griffith and Maria Keane and C.J. Brown, excuse me, and colors by J. Brown, sorry, and letters by Neo Uyutaki. Uyutaki. Um, basically, there was a land stand in Vegas. Uh, Dr. Mindbender, who apparently could not get enough of uh, uh, animating Serpentor, decides to reanimate um, Genghis Khan. And apparently, he must have been doing some other heroes and villains during this uh, the, during this uh, last bit of the run. And Cobra owned a casino, <laughs> so uh, there's all of that coming. About. The the Joes were pinned down uh, in on the run with this, and apparently, uh, it was down to the two Snake Eyes to kind of uh, to, to kind of cover the folks' escape. And the funny part about this is it ends in a cliffhanger. So you would think, you would have thought that, okay, this is the last issue on IDW. Maybe they was going to tie it up in, in, in the, and just end, the, you know, end it in a place so that whoever it takes whoever or wherever it ends up later on uh, can do whatever they're going to do. Judging by the fact that it is on a cliffhanger, sounds like uh, Larry Hama is probably going wherever the license is going to take it and finishes up, uh, finish up wherever that lands. Which I don't think we still know where that is at this point. Now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like we've gotten a rumor on it, but I don't. Even if we did, I can't couldn't really say whether. Right, I think we do have a rumor on it through some inside sources. But we're not going to speak on that because we were told in confidence. Exactly, and I don't remember what it was anyway at this point. But regardless, when it comes confirmed, um, or whenever it comes confirmed, we will definitely let you folks know. So yeah, so that was interesting for the fact that it was like, it it ended in a cliffhanger and I still, the fact that I didn't know what was going on was kind of one thing, but I just was curious about where it was going to, how they were going to end this uh, run. Uh, Next up for me is Ant-Man number two. 
that's the wrong one. There we go. Uh, written by Al Ewing, art by Tom Riley, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Um, so we get caught up with, uh, as I'm just reading directly from my notes with this, we get caught up with Eric O'Grady, the worst Ant-Man. And this is saying something, given that um, Hank Pym has uh, slapped around women. So <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But Eric O'Grady was, was the worst. Um, I vaguely remember Irredeemable Ant-Man, and luckily they did do some kind of, uh, you know, catching up for folks um, at the start of this uh, thing. Uh, what I did not realize was that, uh, or didn't remember, because like I, said, I think I probably read some Irredeemable, but I don't remember. This was a Robert Kirkman joint uh, of Irredeemable Ant-Man, and it makes sense, because Eric Grady, yeah, not, not great. Um, and Kirkman kind of does some not great people. This <laughs> is some good not great people. Let's just say, even if they are good, supposedly they're good guys. But um, and this is also being set because of the whole crux. The the main story is um, there's this future Ant Man who's going around uh, recruiting past Ant Mans because there's some threat in the future that we still don't know anything about. In this particular case, the the future Ant Man kind of does. Meet up with Eric O'Grady. And what does Eric O'Grady do? Is want to know the future. Uh, but obviously, you know, the future the, the future Ant-Man didn't really tell him that. But he did tell him how it lost ended. So, <laughs> because that's the kind of stupid stuff Eric O'Grady kind of wanted. So, that part was kind of funny. Uh, and some other little tidbits that uh, Eric O'Grady wanted to know that you could read for yourself. This is also apparently taking place around... Or this issue is taking place around... Um, uh, Secret Empire, because there is also a big part of, um, and I don't know, I don't remember if this was a part of Irredeemable Ant-Man or not, but uh, there was uh, the scroll, Hank Pym, who was running around at the time, who was involved, uh, who in this particular issue was involved for a hot second because of uh, some tech that uh, that they thought uh, Eric Grady um, knew about. But apparently... That wasn't the case. Nevertheless, at the end of it all, Edgar Grady is still ends up getting recruited by this other, by this uh, future Ant Man, and we still don't know what's going on with that. But I'm sure we'll find out uh, next issue or so. Uh, the Variants number three is my next book, uh, written by uh, Gail Simone, art by Phil Noto, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So this is, I guess, the as they say, the meeting of the Jessicas. Um, Jessica Jones Prime or 616 Jessica meets up with these other versions of herself in, uh, in this issue or finally sits down and talks to her, I should say because she's met uh, some during the course of the last couple of issues and even fought a couple of them but now she's pretty much sitting down and talking with them because this other looming threat is out there and she thinks that she is part of that said looming threat uh, uh, which has something to do with a person from her past. And if you know anything about Jessica Jones comics in, in the comics, uh, you know who that person is. In fact, that person has shown up in uh, the Netflix version of Jessica Jones. So even if you kind of don't know that, you can kind of infer one way or another. But um, that person may or may not be involved. Who's to say? But there is definitely a looming threat that kind of goes after Luke uh, and is also going after her daughter, uh, Danny. But we'll see what's uh what happens with that going forward 
Thunderbolts, number one. I uh, don't know if uh, Agent 70 plans on reading this or not. I plan on getting to it. It just wasn't, I didn't have access to it when I was reading. Right. So I won't go too far into it, but uh, it's written by Jim Zub, art by Sean Isaacs, uh, colors by Hava Tataglia, and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. So basically, um, well, Clint gets the band back together in a way, but it's thanks to the direction of one Mayor Luke Cage. And yes, this is kind of dealing with, which I didn't know about because I didn't read Devil's Reign, because apparently there was a uh, group of Thunderbolts that was running around under Wilson Fisk's rule. Right. Um, and so to kind of clean up the image of the Thunderbirds, which both Luke and Clint have had dealings with. Thunderbolts, not Thunderbirds. I know it's a really easy, oh, it's an easy crossover to say, yeah. Yes, Thunderbirds are go Thunderbolts just as like lightning. Um, which I guess that's a new slogan. I don't know. I don't think, I don't remember that. No, that's been there, but I don't think they ever outright said it. No, I was about to say from Jump, it was Justice Like Lightning. Right, yeah, but I don't remember the, if they actually ever said it. Said it, But um, nevertheless, um, so Luke wants to basically clean up the, the uh, image of um, the, the Thunderbolts um, by having them as the main team in New York, because apparently Wilson Fisk had outlawed um, um, uh, superheroes. Because I was like, because there was a party here. It was like, no, the Avengers uh, are not allowed to be in the New York anymore. I was like, when does that happen? And then, of course, they later on said, "Devil's Reign." So, which again, I had not read. Um, there's another side to this because the the first outing of the team doesn't go full well, but they get the job done. And the last member of the team, one Monica Rambo, aka Spectrum, uh, comes in near the end of this. And importantly. Well, there's a couple other things that is going on. One having to do with the fact that um, Luke didn't want Clint to run the team. He wanted Monica, which that's kind of cold, but also I get it. Um, and then one of the team members who is, I'm going to call him bootleg cable for the time being, but has a secret. Um if you're if you're looking at the uh, the uh, the, uh, the uh, if you're on the video version of this, you can kind of see that the, the makeup of the team. Only one of them hasn't uh, shown up yet. You got um, Clint Barton, Hawkeye. You got America Chavez. You got um, uh, Power Man, not Luke Cage, the other Power Man, the younger one. Like I said, you got this bootleg uh, cable guy whose name is Guts and Glory. Uh, you got the the Purple Man's daughter, which like I said, coming off of that last book that I was just talking about is kind of right. Uh, the only one that hasn't shown up is this little alien creature that's uh, at the bottom of the thing, but that that thing is coming next up. Right, yeah. a purple man played uh, the purple man and and like kind of like the long running uh, story of the purple man and his children in the Daredevil books uh, kind of came to a head in Devil's Reign. Oh, okay. Wait, he didn't have two. Or you just had the one? I guess I thought he had two kids. Oh, I don't want to spoil Devil's Reign, but he had more than that. I keep saying I'm gonna go back and read Devil's Reign at some of these points. I wonder when these like as I get to it. So basically, this 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 Thunderbolt book is kind of coming out of uh, out of uh, this. Right. Uh, and that character has a secret, but. But I ain't one of the gossip, so you ain't heard that from me. Wait, the uh, Purple Man daughter or the one that the uh, the bootleg cable? No, that 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 the bootleg cable. Yeah, yeah, the bootleg cable has a secret, which I feel like I know what it is. That may have called back to something at the beginning of the book, but I don't think that's that would be. I don't remember this character having that 
capability, let's just say. So we'll find out whatever that secret is at some point uh, in this book. Uh, let's see. Next up, though, Gambit number two. Yo. from my notes, uh, written by Chris Claremont and uh, art by Sid Koshian, uh, color artist Espen Grindigen, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So basically, uh, a car accident finds uh, Aurora near death and still training in a hyperbolic time chamber, which Agent 70 can appreciate that reference now. <laughs> while, right. um, while Gambit is basically him helping this mom and their uh, mom and daughter with a land dispute, let's just say. Uh, but the mom and the daughter are pretty quite capable, quite capable of themselves. The mom's an army doc, doc and the um, and the daughter is a, is a former marine. So, you know, having Gambit kind of helping him, helping them out is, is only just giving them a, a nice little hand. But yeah, there's these people trying to scoop up folks' lands and they're holding out. It's kind of that whole situation. Uh, there is a villain that shows up that, uh, in, during the course of this issue that I don't know about, but he's looks like a thinner Colossus. He threw a truck at him, so he's pretty he's pretty strong. But I have no idea who this who this person is, and they didn't name him. So go figure on that one. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a fun read. Like I said, uh, the the whole training thing with uh, Aurora while she was near death is interesting and I, I, I suppose that's going to um, go back into something that Claremont has already did in the X-Books uh, during that time but I, I don't remember that time all that uh, all that swiftly to say one way or the other. Either way, fun read. And that's it folks for me. Clicks of the week. Alrighty, here they come. Clicks of the week. Dirt said, uh, which I don't think Tim got some one, but Dirt said his click was, which I thought I put it down here, uh, Flash Annual 2022 number one. I don't think he said anything else uh, about it, just that that's it, because it was a, a, a light cool. one for everybody. So, I think I put it down there. What cool. Um, All right. Do you have yours? Because I know I have mine. Oh, mine is most definitely Amazing Fantasy number 1000. Uh, you know, now we have access to um, our review books, and I look forward to actually rereading this book. I may actually go and pick up a physical copy of this book. I don't know. The cover price, I presume, is going to be on the expensive side because it is probably extra sized. I believe it's seven ninety nine, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. So it's not ten ninety nine. Right. You know, the ten ninety nine. Oh, the nine ninety nine books always bother me. But I think... I'm actually going to pick this up because I really like some of the stories in this. I might be off, but I feel like when I was pulling cover, that might have been the, the that might have been the case. Right. I mean, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to check it out now and and confirm. Right. But uh, you go while you go ahead and give your pick. So for myself, um, it's, it was a toss up between X Men number fourteen and um, that Wonder Girl Angle was all right, but. Um, between between X Men and probably Thunderbolts, um, was kind of this is an interesting makeup of the team for the Thunderbolts, and they go into why said makeup of the team is kind of like that. 
There is even a couple of uh, throwbacks to past versions or references to past versions of the Wackos, uh, of the the West Coast Adventures in the beginning, which were was kind of amusing. That, that case kind of kicks this all off. But um, I think I am going to go with X-Men number 14. Yeah, I figured. You know, you said that earlier, so... Yeah. I figured you'd go with that. Um, yeah, you are correct. This amazing fantasy, number 1000, is, in fact, seven ninety nine. Yeah. So I look forward to picking this up because I really enjoyed some of these stories uh, in it. And with that, folks, we are going to go into the news. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink. It's your personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Toronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, Go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Cinematic news as we tend to do it about this time. HBO and Cartoon Network cancels another animated project. Actually, we kind of talked about this last week, so I guess we, we can go ahead and skip this one. Because, yeah, I mentioned at the end of it that this is a show called Driftwood, which is one of the shows uh, that got axed along with the um, the whole slew of stuff got canceled. So we can push on to the next story. All right. So apparently Adult Swim's Toonami is safe from Warner Brothers Discovery uh, restructuring. So apparently this... There's no there's no desire to change Adult Swim's popular anime programming block, Toonami, despite recent content cuts. So this is according to Game Rant. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery has confirmed that Toonami will be safe from the content cuts, with no current plans from the company to change or cut Adult Swim's popular weekend anime block. Uh, representatives told Game Rant that uh, Warner Brothers Discovery has no desire to change the programming block and confirmed that the company will continue to move forward with Toonami's original anime projects, which will start in October with Housing Complex C, a, a horror anime miniseries. Okay. I'm I'm one of these people that, like, never bothered with Toonami, really. Man, Toonami. Uh, you know, like, uh, I, I, I didn't jump into anime until I jumped right into getting a Funimation subscription right. and, and watching stuff on Hulu. So once once I had access to that, I kind of bypassed the whole Toonami thing. Yeah, I mean, Toonami was a lot of people's first entry into uh, anime because of, you know, because they were showing anime late at night and some, you know, because it was a mix of anime and, uh, you know, some, uh, some, other, uh, some other stuff. But um, it right. definitely pivoted more into the anime stuff uh, later in the cycle. But yeah, that would have been stupid upon stupid. 
if they had done something with Tsunami and, and Adult Swim, uh, well, I mean, they could be still doing something with Adult Swim just to, to uh, Tsunami's off the block, so. But, like I said, they've been doing no short of just stupid things. I'm just glad this one was safe uh, for mm-hmm. the time being. Batman Cape Crusader, by the way, is, uh, isn't dead. Is reportedly drawing interest from Apple, Hulu, and Netflix. So that was the Bruce Tim, Matt Reeves, and J.J. Abrams um, cart- uh, animated series uh, that we talked about getting the axe last week. So apparently it's still going to be out there um, kind of shopping around to find a new home thanks to the shenanigans going on at um, uh, WB Discovery or whichever way it goes, I don't care. <laughs> so that's some decent news, you know, so that, that the fact that that's still, you know, it didn't die. Uh, well, it's not completely there, that it's still kind of out there. And right, it's being shopped and, around. Right, could find a new yeah. home. Which I'm so sure just like will. Mama told me, you better shop around. But in all seriousness, I'm, su- I'm mildly surprised that Kevin Feige is not on this list saying, hey, we can bring this over to Disney+. Plus." So there was actually, and I think it was uh, someone joking. I feel like I, was, I did see a, something on Twitter. It was like, yeah, Feige's probably going to go after this. As, you know, Feige's on the phone ringing up Bruce Tim as we speak. But I don't see why, if that would, I don't think that would ever happen. It would be nice. It would be hysterical. That would be some funny shit. But yeah, that, that, yep. wouldn't, that wouldn't happen. Let's face it. <laughs> Even if it is a distinguished hysterical. competition. Uh, but yeah, next up. Next up, Harley Quinn, the animated series, has been renewed for a season four at HBO Max. Sarah Peters is set to take over as a showrunner, as the showrunner of the animated series. So the season three finale for this series is about to air uh, in about two weeks on September 15th. And so ultimately, this is good news for fans of this show. Have you watched any of this? No. At some point, I will. I mean, I, I'm too. I'm 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 still in the middle of um, binging Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, you know. And I just, you know, and and I told you, I, I, I did I tell you I just recently finished watching Battlestar Galactica. You said you were about finished last time we talked about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just finished it this week. Okay. What a crazy time loopy ending! I told you, I told you, it goes crazy on. time loopy ending. I'm like, what? I watched this whole thing for that? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like watching Lost. Not that I watched the end of Lost, but I know people... Right, and it was... I'm sorry for the Battlestar Galactica uh, uh, detour here, folks. I just wanted to say that it was recommended to me, and one of the things that was brought up to me was that there are some uh, obvious religious overtones throughout the entirety of the series, and that obviously played out even to the end. All the way to the end. Like, it started out as such a great show, and then it just kind of... I mean, at the end of the day, I didn't. I don't think it was a bad show overall. I just thought, like, you know, where it ended up, I was just kind of like, really? So, okay, you know what? I'd still recommend it to someone if you're comfortable with, like, some sci-fi stuff. And obviously with some of the the real-world, uh, uh, and you know, like, ana- uh, analogies that they were making, you know, especially it was, it, it's, it's kind of a, a product of its time because it is of the early aughts. You know the early and mid aughts, let's say. Right. Definitely, like the late, the late aughts. You know, like uh, you know, as 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 as, the, as America is dealing with uh, the latter stages of the Iraq War and and Afghanistan. So, I think 
Uh, it's a product of its time, but at the same time, there's some definite religious overtones that you know people have to be comfortable dealing with and wrestling with. And and as I said, there's some crazy time loopy stuff at the end. But um, but in any event, uh, that is just a quick detour into my experience with what I'm binge watching as a result of you know not really giving this Harley Quinn show a chance. I know people like it. I just haven't given it a chance yet. You know, I've had other things on my menu to watch. Yeah, and I'm sure we will circle back to some of that in, in a few. But um, <clears throat> uh, Kevin Feige was the one who decided the, um, how Cap- Captain America lost his virginia, virginity. So yeah, that was the thing in the, uh, in the first episode that Jen Walters was very fixated on. And uh, we talked about how Jessica Gow, the showrunner, you know, kind of broke that subject, I guess. And now we come to find out that... Um, uh, from Jessica Gow that um, Kevin Feige had to say in the backstory says uh, quote Kevin was really into that joke and he actually was the one who volunteered the answer to that question uh, Gow shared with io9 via Hollywood Reporter uh, I couldn't believe that we got to de- definitively settle that issue once in a full lot I know there are some people who really don't care for that as a thing or not but you know um, says here, our philosophy was really just like, let's just do things until they tell us that we can't. If you start asking for permission too much, then you're giving people a chance to say no. Which, sure, true. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, it says also here, interestingly enough, the idea of Cap hooking up with someone on the USO tour came up when Chris Evans was talking to Vanity Fair in 2014, apparently. So, it came from somewhere. <laughs> Next to hope. That's so funny. All right. Uh, so the official Twitter account for She-Hulk Attorney at Law shares some of the haikus Tim Roth's Emil Blonsky wrote while he was stuck in a jail cell. So I guess you have to go to the She-Hulk official Twitter account and you'll see some of these haikus. Yeah, some of the, oops, some of this is on, uh, actually I think it looks like all of them are on this article also. So you don't even have to go that far if you, if you don't, uh, if you choose not to. But yeah. There it is out there. Next up, though. Um, why Miss Marvel's new powers were made purple. That has been revealed. Um, so basically, according to this article, one of the VF, uh, VFX workers say that they were colored purple just to set her apart from the rest. Uh, because it's... Uh, the quote here is, I think it's a little bit difficult in this day and age with the number of heroes there are to have something unique, according to uh, Digital Domain's Dave Cunningham. And I think you've got Captain Marvel's sort of orange, Scarlet Witch's got red, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I guess it was just to set it off. So it wasn't like a, a hey, you got this lightsaber in purple type situation <laughs> that uh, Samuel L. Jackson uh, did. Also, I'm pretty sure we have had some other folks' uh, powers uh, set off as purple tints. I believe Agatha Harkness's was, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not necessarily that unique. But nevertheless, sure. Some people are putting things together like that and say, oh, these powers are, because they're tinted red or do this, they're all from this stone, this, that, and that. So there's a lot of that going on. And it sounds like here's why that was that. Next up. All right, Alakwa Cox, the star of Echo, the you know the 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 eponymous uh, star, you know, the eponymous character in the show, 
confirmed through social media posts that she made that filming has completed on the upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe series. Echo first appeared in last year's Hawkeye on Disney+. Plus, and uh, Alako Cox put a story on her Instagram, which included memorial images of her father and text saying filming had wrapped. Uh, the series centers on Maya Lopez, a young deaf martial artist, reconnecting with her Native American roots and discovering more about herself and her family. Shooting for Echo initially began in May 2022. Okay. Probably would not get the Phoenix Force from this, uh, from this, um, this show, but stranger things have happened. Um, Iron Man 3 is being kingly to reprise his Marvel role in Wonder Man series, folks. So we made a joke last week about Trevor Slattery showing up somewhere, and guess what ends up happening? Um, actually, I can't remember what we were talking about. We were talking about uh, something else uh, that tr- tr- Trevor Slattery was going to show up in, um, just offhandedly. But apparently, he's going to be in the Wonder Man show. So go figure. We didn't know anything about that. Um, Hollywood's always up to no good. I know, right? <laughs> so, uh, Daniel De- uh, Destin Daniel Cretton, who of course uh, directed and co wrote Shang-Chi and The Legend of Ten Rings, will serve as an executive producer and co creator on the Wonder Man series, which we already know. Uh, Kingsley Slattery was most recently seen in Shang-Chi, of course. Um, and uh, um, according to Variety, it seems that Kingsley's uh, Slattery will play a major role in the Wonder Man series, although exactly what role is unknown. Obviously, we know Trevor Slattery being an actor, and Wonder Man in the comics um, ended up being a, for, going from a stuntman to a leading man um, at various points of his uh, superhero career. We can f- pretty... Well, we can speculate that this is pretty much the direction that uh, this Wonder Man show is probably going to go into. If not, to already start there. Who knows? They might change his origin. They'll be like, hey, he was already a, uh, um, you know, he was already a low-level stuntman, and now he's got powers or something. Because in the comics, he was a businessman who ended up being powers and going up against Avengers and dying and coming back as a hero. Right. They may cut that out, but we'll see how they adapt it. Exactly. So, Treasury Slattery, Trevor Slattery, not going nowhere, folks. Next up. All right, next up. So this includes spoilers for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. If you are a fan of this show and somehow have not yet seen this movie, what's wrong with you? Um, No, seriously, what's wrong with you? What are you waiting for? But uh, I'm going to say that this does involve some spoilers for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Writer Michael Waldron acknowledges that he actually wrote a stinger scene, kind of a pie-in-the-sky stinger scene, for one Reed Richards, who does make a cameo appearance in that movie. So that's an interesting little tidbit of news coming straight from the Empire magazine, or Empire Online. So they put some of that stuff on Disney Plus, but I don't know if they put all of those because I know they save some stuff for the, the actual physical. Um, right, I don't think they ever filmed it. I think that was just something that he proposed and never it never went through. Right, but I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. But I'm just saying, just in general, like some of that stuff that they have, they hold off for the physical stuff. They don't. They only put right. certain stuff on. So, so even if they had been filmed, there was no guarantee we was going to get it on Disney Plus. 
as opposed to the correct. Yep, you are correct. Um, now we're going over into the anime corner. I still haven't seen this yet, but nevertheless, Dragon Ball Super Superhero teases Brawley's return to action. Actually, Whoa! What did we just did we skip a whole bunch of these? Wait, did we? I was wondering. I was like, why are we going to Anime Corner so early? Oh shoot, we did, didn't we? Uh oh, fudge! I did that because I was still doing the thing. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to continue in Anime Corner, and then circle. Okay. No, no worries. Yeah. So yeah, Dragon Ball Super Hero, uh, Super Hero teases Brawley's return to action. Um. So yeah, apparently Brawley shows up in Dragon Ball Super Superhero after. Yes, he does. Oh, so that's right. You did see. I forgot about that. Um. Uh, and actually, I'm gonna take this next one because this is slightly related because. Uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero topples Brawley's uh, record at the U.S. box office, which was the previous movie uh, in the Dragon Ball series. So the latest box office report confirms that so Dragon Ball Super Superhero has grossed 30.76 million USDs uh, at this point, or at least at the point of this uh, article, because I'm pretty sure it's still making some numbers. Uh, it looks like uh, Brawley has had fallen to sixth place with its 30.71 million lifetime gross, uh, which was which had it in fifth place previously. So, that's still a lot of money. Still pretty good. Next up. Okay, so this is for the people who watch Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Super, Superhero, Super and Superhero in dub form. Uh, the voice of Gohan explains how superhero is a return to form for the Gohan character. So in talking with the dub voice of Gohan, Kyle Herbert, you know, you can, you can hear the contempt in my voice when I say that. When it comes to his return to the role as well as how the new movie is a, quote, return to form for the character. I'm not going to spoil the movie. The movie's still relatively new. I want to give people a chance to watch it. But this, you know, all the stuff that we talked about, how... Uh, this movie is, in fact, a spotlight on both Piccolo and Gohan is, in fact, very true. They are basically the front. Uh, they are basically the, 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 the front, front and center of the characters in the story. Yeah, I can't wait to watch, watch this. But then again, I still have to catch up on Super in general. So it is. It's right. Be a Seriously, the voice of Gohan is the, the voice of Goku in every form. It's Masako Nozawa. So, <laughs> I'm you know, I don't know, I don't know any of these people who speak in english so I, I i implore you to at the very least watch an episode of the dub with especially freeze's voice uh dub it's just just once just just say you have because you can pretty much get mostly everybody's voice from that but you got to hear freeze's voice anyway uh spy times family core two and i keep wanting to say core um announces premiere date with new artwork so, the exact date of Spy X Family's uh, highly anticipated return has been revealed, and that date is October 1st, ladies and gentlemen. So Which is not far away! It's a month away now, folks. Now. Exactly. 
The announcement was accompanied by a brand new key visual that showcases the adorable Anya using her fingers to make the number two. That's probably a peace sign, uh, folks, but you know. While surrounded by her smiling family, uh, five smiling parents, and other fan favorite characters. While the confirmation is undoubtedly exciting for uh, Spikes family fans, the reveal isn't the end of the new news for the series. Recently, it was announced that the new uh, that new Spikes family uh, contact or Spy family, depending on how you feel like playing it, just don't come at me because I don't care. Uh, will be posted to the official Twitter account each day until the end of August, which we are at. So we have pretty much gotten that all we we're going to get until next month's uh, premiere. Next up. So, Odd Taxi has followed up its cult hit debut anime season with a new feature film fleshing out the events of the series. And now fans outside of Japan will be able to check it out as Crunchyroll has revealed when Odd Taxi in the woods will be available for streaming with the service. Odd Taxi premiered last year and built up a huge cult following. Uh, So, let's see. In the woods picks up from a big cliffhanger at the end of that first uh, season of the series or that first series. And so we're going to be able to access on September 8th, the movie on Crunchyroll. I loved our taxi. It, it took a weird, it, well, it was already weird and crazy. It, it seemed like it started off slow and it kind of did, but it, it, even if it didn't take the turn it did near the end, it was still good for what it was. And I think if I would say that anime fans, should watch it and i don't okay. really make blanket statements like that because everybody everything is not for everybody but this one this one was uh was something to behold so uh let's see we're going to circle back around and get to the news that we missed before we going and before going to the um Actually, you know, let's just do this uh, the, 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 with the anime, with the manga stuff, and then we'll circle back around uh, to the other stuff. Okay, so we're going to transition over into manga. So, yeah, speaking of Spy, Spy Town's family or Spy Family, the manga's tops 25 million copies in circulation. Um, manga editor Shihei Lin announced on Twitter. That uh, Tatsuya and Edo's uh, Spikes Family manga has surprised 25 million copies in circulation. Not copies sold. They 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 make that clear in this article, which is a difference. So, um, but uh, there's a lot of copies out there, and it's still being sold. So regardless, you know, hey, it, it's still out there in good numbers, and people are buying it. Next up, yeah, you go do this. Oh, dang it. Dang it. All right. So I don't want to talk too much about this story because I am behind now. This is from the latest chapter of My Hero Academia, which was published in Shonen Jump last week. So basically, the story is starting out a new phase in the final war between the heroes and villains and Shigaraki. And things have been changing so much, uh, you know, and apparently there's been a change in the goals of all for one. So I'm not going to go too far into it, but at the end of the day, um, you know, if you're keeping up with this, like I've been trying to, it is definitely rushing towards, uh, some sort of finality. Um, you know, it, it feels like it's rushing toward it because these chapters are so short, but they don't always come out on a weekly basis. So, you know, if you miss out, you have to kind of circle back and, and check it out. But uh, I would definitely recommend it 
if you have tried out my hero and you like the anime to actually circle back and read the manga i i think it's a it's a pretty well done series and i think the adaptation to the anime is well done as well yeah i'm pretty sure you will find not too many people that are not doing one and not the other like i would probably be one of those people but who's to say i might change that up i don't know once I get around to it. But we're going to, speaking of circling back around, we're going to circle back to around to some cinematic news that we missed, starting with uh, D23 teases the big Star Wars Marvel announcements in an official poster. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Disney dropped an official poster for its annual D23 event, spotlighting many uh, beloved films, uh, characters, and franchises. By the way, um, by the time we record next week, uh, Disney Plus Day will upon us in fact we will be recording on disney plus day so the first day of it right because i think it's like the f- oh no disney plus day is one day but d23 is the whole weekend correct right so we will there may be something from disney plus day that uh that we'll have uh, to talk about uh next week but definitely a lot of stuff that we have previously talked about that was going to uh premiere on disney uh, disney plus day is going to happen but going back to this um if you're watching the video version, you can see the poster in question. There's some Star Wars references. There's uh, some Disney stuff. There's some Marvel stuff. It's a nice looking poster. There's even Oswald the the, the Rabbit is in there, uh, and some other stuff which you can see uh, if, uh, for yourself in the article or the video version. So, but there's a lot of seems like a lot of seemingly clues of things that may be um, announced or talked about at D23, which is coming. Uh, soon, I know. I can't remember the, the date, actually. Uh, and it doesn't say here. So, nevertheless, it's coming soon, but we'll talk about it. I think it's at the end of this month, but I can't remember. Next up. So, Godzilla's MonsterVerse TV series has shared its first image. So, since Godzilla vs. Kong premiered, we haven't seen too much of uh, Godzilla or Kong, but we have heard news that they are underway in filming the next sequel to that. In addition, Apple TV Plus is developing developing its own live-action MonsterVerse show, and a first look at the project just went live. So in an update that comes from social media uh, from that MonsterVerse show on Apple TV Plus, you can see a set photo that was published that shows old-school tech and photos on a desk, but the real story comes courtesy of a monarch bag. So it's a worn satchel shown atop the desk and is printed with the monarch symbol on the side. It looks like the bag has seen some things and there's no telling what might be inside. Given the photos on this desk, we can assume there is a top there is top secret information about the kaiju in the bag. So Godzilla, you know, we'll see how all that plays out. universe but that's not entirely true but basically they they have things going on in that universe that they've kind of picked at but not really gone that i remember too far into right it's kind of like the early mcu version of shield where that was the tying that that was the unifying force between all the movies right so that seems to be that unifying uh connection between the king kong and the godzilla movies the the, the, the monarch connection uh, let's see. Last in the cinematic news, uh, Orphan Black spinoff cast Keely Hawes as Christian Ritter's co-star. 
So, let's see. According to the deadline, Halls will play a scientist who will struggle against her own moral code as she's forced to make an impossible decision. Uh, no other details regarding her character were provided, but she will appear in this series alongside Christian Ritter and other previously announced cast members, Amanda Fix and uh, Avon Jogia. So, yeah, for those that don't know, that's the, um, the Orphan Black uh, prequel, I guess, um, that uh, the AMC is doing. So, if you're a fan of Orphan, Orphan Black, you know, I'm sure you'll probably check it out, I guess. Next up, we're going to into the comic book news. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal returns a claim of the spotlight by any means necessary. Are they really quoting Brother Malcolm? Uh, the irreverent duo star in new Infinity comic series Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal. And uh, in an interview on Marvel.com, Frank Thierry wrote about or talked about what readers can expect, but this is a Marvel Unlimited Infinity comic. So if uh, you aren't, you should be. It is a great resource. You should you should look into Marvel Unlimited because we use it as a great tool. Is that Throg on, I assume that's the Letterman? I mean, that's uh, supposed to be um, Kemmel? On the on this on this thing. Anyway, it doesn't matter. This is like a bootleg uh, Porky Pig. Uh, if you're not watching the video version, that's who this Ziggy Pig is. Because I don't think I've ever heard of this character before. And this other cat looks like it's trying to do a, a Muttley impression on this kid litter thing. So go figure. Anywho, um, oh, actually, hmm, I'm gonna break some news real quick so I don't have to talk about it next week. Uh, so we'll get to that in a minute. Star Wars brings back its uh, evil R2-D2 and C-3PO. And that is a spoiler from last week's Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 23. I love those two droids, and so I'm going to have to definitely check this out. So BT-1 uh, and Triple Zero are now back in the pages of uh, Dr. Aphra. Uh, for whatever odd reason, because I have no idea what's going on in that book. Because I, I lost a thread on it a while back. But at some point, I'll catch up. Next up. So, this is an article that has, I guess, a uh, a tease of what might happen. I don't know if this has happened already or if it's something that might happen in a tie-in. Iron Man is set to fight his own cursed armor in a Judgment Day tie-in. So, I don't know what book this this might happen in. Oh, Oh, AXE Avengers number one. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. So I guess Iron Man is set to fight a, cur- a set of his cursed, uh, a cursed set of his armor in that book. And uh, Kieran Gillen is set to write that. And uh, it's $4.99. And I'm looking for a release date on sale at the end of September. So in a, at the end of this month, September 28th. Yeah, that's also some preview, preview pages uh, for that book. Are so inclined in the article, which we won't go over here. Uh, Alex Ross debuts dramatically different art style for Fantastic Four graphic novel, which I believe came out. No, well, I saw it. I saw it the uh, the cover for it this week, but apparently it came out this week. Okay, I don't think we have access to it, but I think it did come out this week. Right. So it says it's publishing on September sixth on at this article, but yeah, I I saw it. um, I saw it um, out out there for today. So, 
Um, but um, right. I think in the direct market, I think it came out today. So maybe we'll have access to it next week. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, as reported exclusively by the Hollywood Reporter, Fantastic Four Full Circle is the first graphic novel Ross has written and illustrated. The story takes place shortly after 1961's uh, ni- uh, Fantastic Four number 51 by Jack Lee and uh, as, by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and sees Marvel's first family grapple with a threat that takes them into the negative zone after an intruder invades the Blackster building. And it's, apparently it's a typo, because it's building, not builder. <laughs> um... So Ross said he deliberately changed his new unique iconic art style to match Kirby's work for the novel. Quote, I wanted to present a version of the Fantastic Four as close to a Jack Kirby style he envisioned uh, for the series as he created the characters, he explained. His style informed the first ten years of their existence and it's the shadow of shadow all artists have been working under these last sixty years. Unquote. So yeah. Um, if we ever get our hands on that graphic novel, we'll let you know, um, what's the deal with it. I'm sure one of us will read it. Uh, next up though. Right. So in a spoiler for this week's amazing fantasy number 1000, Marvel just introduced its own version of Batman Scarecrow. So this is one of the, this is part of one of the stories in amazing fantasy number 1000 that introduces a villain, it's kind of on the lamer side, I have to admit. But the villain's name is Conspiraton, and ultimately, uh, Conspiraton finds a way to spread hallucinogens into the populace, and Spider-Man has to fight against it. So that is where the tie-in, or the, the, uh, the, 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 the crossover relation would be seen with uh, Batman's Scarecrow character. I do remember reading that one, and it was kind of, um, kind of amusing. And yeah, that 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 uh, the villain, quote unquote, was kind of lame, but still was a pretty amusing story. Um, mm-hmm. Now we're getting over to Toy Corner. Uh, Iron Man's Mark Seven armor opens up as a high-end Hot Toys figure, and apparently, literally opens up, uh, or more more accurately, actually opens up. Stop using literally when you mean actually. God dog it. Jesus. You know how to use English. Um, anyway, Hot Toys and Side Show's uh, Iron Man Mark Seven open armor collectible is inspired by a scene from 2013's Iron Man 3, wherein, while meeting young fans with Don Cheadle's uh, Rhodey, Tony Stark steps into his, arm, his Mark Seven suit to run a diagnostic on himself. Only to realize that he's having uh, an anxiety attack spurred by his near-death experience in 2012's The Avengers. Uh, the six-scale collectible features highly detailed die-cast armor with adjustable and articulated pieces for a variety of posing options. Uh, we'll just cut to the price. It's a Hot Toys joint, so you know it's expensive. 365 bucks. Uh, the pre-door is available on Sideshow and is expected to ship between October 2023 and March 2024. So you could just marvel at it, ha, no pun intended, uh, at the pictures of it, uh, like I will be doing, because I will not be buying this. Next up. So Marvel is expanding its foray into the tabletop role-playing game arena with, because they're stepping into the arena, Cheetah. So um, with the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game core rulebook and the Cataclysm of Kang adventure book. So I think... Now that they've done the beta testing, this is the new official core rulebook? Is that correct? There's still, or is that a different game? 
No, it's the same game. They're still beta tested. I think they're not going to. It's not going to release officially until next year. So they're still doing. Okay. Yeah, they're still doing the the beta. Right. I I see that in the article. Right. But I wanted to. I wanted to because I know that you bought a copy of the beta testing book. So that's why I wanted to to find out what the story was with the beta testing. So basically, the core rule book includes dozens of Marvel character profiles and everything players need to understand Marvel Multiverse's D616 rule system. Marvel revealed that this core rule book is set to release in June 2023, so it's another nine months away, basically. And it will be closely followed by the Cataclysm of Kang a month later in July. So in addition to even more character profiles, the Cataclysm of Kang will also feature six interlocking adventures that take place... That take players, that is, from the streets of the Marvel Universe into a cosmic level event. Profiles of popular characters such as Black Panther, Captain America, Iron Man, Captain Marvel, Wolverine, and more than one Spider-Man have already been announced as part of this first wave. Interesting. So, um, nice to see that, uh, you know, they've announced when the final rules are star, you know, will be published. But beta testing is still going on. So, if you're interested in contributing to that, I think you should check out that beta testing rulebook. Yeah, I it's been an interesting read. I haven't finished reading it because obviously the other things have come, but I have seen some of the profiles, and there is a um, a, a starter story that they have you kind of like, hey, you want something to start off with uh, before making your own stuff, you know? <coughs> have it. <coughs> but, excuse me, but the Cataclysm of Kang uh, is a definitely a new module uh, that's coming out after. Now, I believe they did set it for June twenty. It's been tw- June twenty twenty three this whole time, so I don't think that's. I don't remember that being changes from what the original um, release of the, the official rules for it. So stay tuned. We'll definitely be talking about it closer to the time. Disney will launch a new card game to go up against Magic the Gathering and Pokemans. So, um, okay, you can please close that. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Uh, so the company Rath- Ravensburger says that it wants to take it to the next level. Uh, they already have Disney Villainous, which I'm sure uh, board game aficionados uh, already know about. Uh, uh, and it's a, a line of um, you know uh, add-ons to that. So basically, this is a collectible card game with uh, a modern storybook art style, uh, according to someone with the company. Uh, and it mixes both traditional hand-drawn qualities seen in fairy tale storybooks and new digital techniques. Uh, the game will also include all the flourishes that fans of collectible cards have come to expect from top 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 of the line releases. Um, any idea of da, 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 da. fans will get a first look at the cards themselves during D twenty three Expo in Anaheim, California, which kicks off September 9th. I knew okay, so yeah, next week after Disney Plus Day, which makes sense. So um, week after that, I'm sure I will be talking about whatever comes out of that with this and other things next up so McFarlane Toys is bringing out uh, an upcoming action figure which celebrates the 30th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series with a striking design that lets fans recreate the lightning strike from the iconic intro of the TV show the 9 inch figure features Batman in the classic blue, gray and yellow costume that Bruce Tim popularized in the cartoon, and it is part of the McFarlane Toys limited edition gold label collection. The figure is available for exclusive pre-order at Target, that is Target, for oy, 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 
toys are way too expensive here, folks. $49.99 with a release expected later this year. An addition of the figure featuring a signature from Bruce Tim is also available for $79.99. Yikes. Or you can just get the base thing and hopefully run up on them at a, at a con and whatever he charges there, if he charges anything for uh... <laughs> signatures, right? You hope that he's at a con. Maybe he's not a big con goer, but well, ultimately, I mean, this is a cool figure, but, and it comes with a base, but forty nine ninety nine just for the figure in this base. I know that, you know, with, with, you know, plastic and all, you know, being a product of oil and all that stuff being expensive, Toys have gotten way too expensive, folks. It, it, it's just getting a bit, getting to be a bit much. Just a bit, but you know, you know, there's 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 people who are out there for. I'm not gonna sit here and say that <coughs> that I wouldn't be interested in getting this, but nah, you know. No, I mean, but at the end of the day, and this is me going on a bit of a tangent. You know, I feel like I got out of Marvel Legends. You know, I'm still gonna get the ones that I really, really want, mm-hmm. but I feel like I got out of like bulk purchasing of marvel legends at the right time before the price hike you know that's just my that's just my two cents sure tell them what you want what you really really want um yeah. <laughs> mcfarland toys celebrates i'm like seriously did the cat just quote the spice girls he surely did McFarlane Toys celebrates Mattman 66 with an unbelievable vintage uh lunchbox four pack so the Batman Classic TV Series Lunchbox uh, features four figures, Batman, Robin, Joker, and the Penguin, all packaged inside a metal case. The figures come equipped with colorful word bubbles resembling the dramatic sound effects that splash across the screen whenever the dynamic duo wallop their opponents in a fight, a much-loved tradition of the 66 television series. Uh, four collectible cards are also included, showing uh, close-ups of the Cape Crusaders and battles against the Joker and the Penguin. The entire set is viewable on the McFarlane Toys website and available for pre-order on Target, once again, for $59.99 this time, with a release date slated for later this year. If you're watching the video version, you can see um, um, the, the figures and the, the box itself. Right. I kind of get the price point on this one, yeah. because it's an actual metal box with four figures in it and a couple of extra things, so I kind of get that. Totally. In a surprise for everyone, Mattel has revealed that the latest figures in the Masters of the Universe, Masterverse line, are actually based on the 1987 live-action He-Man movie. Revealed on the Masters of the Universe Twitter account, the figures capture the film's rough likenesses of He-Man and Skeletor, who were played by Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langella, respectively. While release dates have yet to be announced, the figures will come with weapon accessories, including He-Man's Power Sword and Skeletor's Havoc Staff, and packaging inspired by the film. Did you not think they were going to tap into this at some point? Did you not think they would figure out a way to monetize every piece of IP related to Masters of the Universe? Folks, let us let let two people of um of uh, a certain vintage tell you that was a terrible movie. I've never watched it. Oh, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. I couldn't. When that when I saw the commercial, I was like, "Ooh, no, I ain't paying money for that." I would like to believe. I want to say I probably watched that in the in the uh, in the theater for some stupid reason. 
But yeah, that was not a great movie. And still, not a great movie. I'm going to just go ahead and say it. If you're, even if you're, this is one of those, like, if you're the type, the type to imbibe and want to watch a, a dumb movie, I probably wouldn't suggest that either. It's kind of a bad way for Frank Langella to go out. But nevertheless, here we are. Just like Raul Julia goes out on a bad movie. But anyway, hey, this is about the figures and not, uh, and not the movie itself, even though there, it's from that terrible, terrible movie. You know what? No, do watch that movie. We should all share in that. Watch the movie. It's, uh, it's terrible. It's not great. It's bad. It's bad, folks. Go ahead and watch it. <laughs> Next up. Uh, DC moves uh, Superman's Fortress of Solitude to a, an incredibly dangerous locale. This is spoilers for Batman Fortress number four, which is, I think, out last week. Um, uh, for some reason... Batman goes to look for the Fortress of the Solitude because oh, I was right because I think Batman, I mean Superman is not around, uh, and Batman is the one heading up the the battle for Earth, uh, some kind of way. I haven't read this thing, but I know bits and pieces of it. And I guess because it's an alien invasion, they go to find the home of another a friendly alien that they know of, and move it. Um, apparently, to a place. I don't know how they got it there or why it's there, but nevertheless, it's somewhere deep. So, if you want to know where that is or what that's about, check out Batman Fortress. <coughs> Fortress, like yeah, it's got me all choked up. Next up. All right. In uh, advanced solicitations for Batgirls 20, the Batgirls 2022 annual, which goes on sale November 29th from DC Comics, um, this article talks about how two of the three stars of Batgirls will experience a moment right out of Freaky Friday when they wake up inside each other's bodies in the uh, in that upcoming annual that's going to come out at the end of November. It's in a story written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad and featuring art by Robbie Red Rodriguez, who we know from Ghost Spider. The annual issue will see Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown swapping places, which will leave Oracle trying to figure out how to reverse the process. Okay. Martian Manhunter uh, pulls the Red Hood uh, Outlaws team through its paces. And this is for the uh, DC Webtoons uh, collaboration, apparently. Red Hood Outlaws um, has, I guess, a, a webcomic out there. So, let's see. <clears throat> Excuse me. Red Hood Outlaws was written by Patrick R. Young, illustrated by Nico Bascunian, and colored by Javier Rodriguez. Jarvis? Is this a different Javier Rodriguez, or is this is the same one going by his full name? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Has four episodes published on Webtoons so far, and already the titular team is in deep trouble because they were hired by a uh, mob boss, Franco Bertinelli. That name it should be familiar to some DC uh, folks. To retrieve an alleged uh, heirloom from Dinosaur Island, Red Hood... And uh, Bizarro Superman <clears throat> discover a booby trap cage full of skeletons. They get the artifact. And um, <coughs> they get trapped. So apparently, um, <coughs> Martian Manhunter is involved also. And you can check that out on Webtoons uh, if you're so inclined to see what that's all about. Next up. All right.
variety, Zeus names a major Wonder Woman character, spoiler, of Olympus. Interesting. So the following contains spoilers for Olympus Rebirth number one, which is on sale now from DC Comics. Was that last week or this week? Last week. Okay, this is last week's story. So um, an important Wonder Woman character has been given that new role role, uh, by Zeus himself. And apparently... Hippolyta is the one who has this new role. Yes. I'm not going to talk about what the new role is, but you know, go check out Olympus Rebirth number one on sale now from DC Comics. Well, if you know her place, if you know her, her current status in the DC universe now, you can probably gauge what that possibly could be. Um, I guess before I do this next one, let me go ahead and get this one out of the way. Uh, DC Fandome 2022 has been canceled by Warner Brothers Discovery. That was the breaking news. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the breaking news I was talking about. <laughs> they canceled DC Fandome? They did. So, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Come on, that's the best sound effect. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Um, according to Popverse, who recorded this today, uh, September first, um, yes, yeah, the uh, DC Fandom twenty twenty two has been re, uh, has been canceled by Warner Brothers Discovery. DC released a statement to Popverse addressing the lack of uh, DC Fandom twenty twenty two announcement. Um, Warner Brothers decided to be able to engage with our fans live at numerous Comic Cons around the world and will not be scheduling DC FanDome for 2022, end quote. So, yeah, that's, um, that's it <laughs> for that. That was the breaking news, folks. Uh, now going back to the other news that I had, uh, sad, some other sad news, I guess. Uh, well, definitely, actually. Doom Patrol writer, uh, Rachel Pollock in ICU, and there was a GoFundMe launched for medical bill help for her. Um, <clears throat> created by Pat- Patricia Nolan, the GoFundMe fundraiser seeks funds for medical bill help for uh, Rich Pollock. And there's a quote here from uh, Patricia Nolan about that. Um, Rachel uh, Pollock is a from accounts a prolific um well a doom patrol writer who's um well regarded i should say i don't know too much uh, about her so my apologies for that because i'm not too, uh familiar but uh she's known for writing doom patrol from 1993 to 1925 um let's see Pollock introduced uh, dc's first trans superhero kate godwin uh, coagula in 1993's uh doom patrol number 70 um, and then there's a quote in here about that. Um, um, and also, let's see, she wrote the New Gods, 1993 uh, Vertical Visions, uh, Brother Power of the Geek number one, and 1998's uh, Vertical Visions, Tomahawk number one, and more stuff. So, yeah. Uh, if you want to, uh, you can visit the GoFundMe that is attached to this, um, this article if you're so inclined. Uh, and it also go through some of her achievements that she has done over the years. So it's kind of a sad thing that that, that this is the kind of way that people have to get um, you know healthcare in the in the comics industry. But, but um, here we are. Next up. So in a book that dropped just this week, fans can read the Death Ranger on August thirty first. 
This is it's a story in Power Rangers Unlimited number one. And it's the story, you know, and this is the story of the Death Ranger. Uh, it has a story of the Death Ranger in it. The one-shot special issue comic will inform fans about the history of a mysterious and deadly ranger that is said to have the power to raise people from the dead. Boom Studios recently shared a preview, and it's apparently going to be an interesting read. The Death Ranger is written by Paul Allor with art by with art from Catherine Lobo and Kakovsky, Anna Chandra, colors by Fabi Marquez, Sarah Antonelli, and Sharon Marino, and letters by Ed Dukeshire. Okay. Last but not least, uh, Dark Horse to publish new graphic novel series that merges X-Men and Attack on Titan. Um, uh, this is coming from uh, Oye Akope. I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. I mean, it's Attack on Titan. Sure, sure. And his imprint, Unique Studios... Um, has signed on to publish more graphic novels through Dark Horse. Okay, so Unique Studios is um, is uh, signed on to publish more graphic novels through Dark Horse. Okay, so that's one part of it. Uh, this expanded expanded partnership not only encompasses new additions to the Afrocentric Unique Universe line, but also the debut of a brand new shared universe that begins in 2024 as the Asiri. Volume 1, a book billed as equal parts uh, X-Men and Attack on Titan. Uh, This looks to be the cover art that is attached to this article. If you're watching the video version, you can check that out there. Um, Akope will write this series, uh, will write this series, Volume 1, with the creative team, with the creative team, also including the artist uh, Samuel Iwunze, colorist Toyin Morbi um, Atumobi, uh, cover artist Sun Kamini, uh, Kobe. I apologize for butchering any of these names, folks. I, I, I do not mean to do that uh, intentionally. Um, but basically, the, this article talks about the concept for the Asiri uh, and um, the Dark Horse Unique collaboration. So, cool. May have to check that out. Uh, and that's it, folks, for the comic book news. Can we get one last ad read, please? Our last ad read, before I think we have a little bit of personal toy corner, is for Amazon. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends, because sometimes you can get better prices. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. So yeah, before we leave out of here, we do have one quick uh, talk on here. Um, I will be so glad when I get my green screen up. But I got a package in today. Actually, I got two packages in today, but the, y'all don't care about a Genesis controller, do you? You don't. Um, oh, man. This you mean a Sega Genesis controller? Yes. They have USB, <laughs> they have, uh, USB um, uh, controllers for pretty much almost any um, uh, retro you know, right, like a, as yeah for emulator use, I get it. Well, yeah, that too. Um, I think because they also have those, uh, like you know, those uh, NES classics and those that they have that uh, come with USB um, right. controllers. Also, that 
that these are being used with. So yeah, anywho, I got one of those because I've been messing around with a uh, Genesis simulator lately. So, uh, anywho, folks, ta-da! Star Wars Reva from um, from uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. It arrived. Uh, nice. Yay! So I'm happy for that. It, it got a little smushed or uh, some kind of way. I don't know how because the package was actually pretty solid. But then again, also the the male person just threw my package, so that was a whole other thing. But yeah, um, if you're watching the video version, you can see here. You know, you got Reva, you got your her um, her lightsabers, you know, single and dual uh, version, which is the, the the you know the same kind as the Inquisitors use. Uh, and of course, there's some uh, information about her on the back. Uh, but yeah, newest edition. There you go. And that's uh, pretty much it for uh, Toy Corner for this week. And the end of this here program. Uh, we'd like to thank all, all of you folks for coming out. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time on the uh, recording on the YouTube of the Declamation and Twitch.tv slash Combo Chronicles. Where that you can find us, you know, I'm sure talking about something that came out of, um, something that probably came out of uh, Disney Plus Day. If there's anything of note. Because let's face it, nothing's going to, not go, uh, nothing's going to, um, I say that. Nothing's probably going to open that original Disney Plus day, let's face it, because there was a lot of stuff that came out. So, everything that's probably coming out, they'll, they'll probably be talking about the stuff that's already been announced. Uh, right. Ultimately, yeah. though, we, they may save some announcements for later in the weekend, so, right. you know, it'll be the week after when we finally are able to cover all of the announcements from D23. That is correct. Until then, and of course, we'll be back with uh, another recap of uh, She-Hulk uh, next weekend. Uh, of course. Until then, I have been Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore Dirt on uh, Twitter. PopCultureNet on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com is on both well, sites therein. Tim D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter and theclicknation.com. But of course, you can definitely find him over at comicbook.com where he's over there writing his face off. You can find this here podcast on the coast of the podcast network that's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find this on your podcast, podcast version of Police of Choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, excuse me. Uh, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. You can also find one of us at the, lo the local Target, looking but not touching, because as I said earlier, figures are expensive. Yup. <laughs> but, uh, as I said, like I said, we will be back next week uh, for, for more shenanigans and whatnot. This has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. I love it when a plan comes together. Come, 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 come